Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Let us know if any of you aren't feeling well. That would be apparently very good, according to Phil. Um, we, um, where we've been over this last while with our teaching series, if you've been journeying with us in church, um, we, we've been looking at particularly this aspect of how Jesus teaches truth. Um, prior to Christmas, we looked at the demonstration of the ways of the kingdom. But over the last while, we're looking about how Jesus teaches truth, and particularly around the parables in Matthew 13. Is where we've been kind of circling over the, the last while as well. Over, over the last two or three times that I've been on, we've really trying to highlight and emphasize how Jesus really wanted to make it clear in his teaching around this topic of the kingdom of heaven while he's demonstrated it in the ways of his life. What, what I was saying the last time I was here was that it was almost like he just wanted to take every opportunity possible to, to talk about the kingdom of heaven because he wanted everyone to get this. He wanted to leave no stone unturned with us. He wanted to lift the lid on it. He wanted to reveal the fullness of all that God had created and how he desired the kingdom of heaven to be experienced in our lives because this is for you to experience in a full way. And so last time I was here last Sunday, I looked about how even back in the Garden of Eden, how the kingdom of heaven as it was established on earth, humanity got to experience that in the fullest way possible. And yet what Jesus shows us and has taught even over the last, and shown us even in these parables, is the reality that there are these two kingdoms that are at work in the world. So there is the kingdom of heaven, which is God's kingdom. He is the one who rules over, over that kingdom. And yet there's another kingdom called the kingdom of darkness, which is Satan's kingdom, and it is at work in the world. And so last, last time we were here, we looked at this reality. Adam and Eve, when they were created in all of humanity, the original design, the original purpose for humanity is that we would flourish, that we would experience fullness of life because we were people of the kingdom of heaven. We were originally designed to be part of this kingdom and to experience and to enjoy the fullness of life and blessing that it is to be part of this kingdom of heaven. But the reality is that Adam and Eve, in the moment that they, they disobeyed God, it was much more than a simple act of disobedience. It was much more than simply eating a little apple. What happened at that moment was that they were saying a no to God, to his rule, and to his authority. And what happened was that they submitted themselves and all of humanity to another kingdom. This kingdom was called the kingdom of darkness. And the reality is this was the curse then that was upon all of humanity. But Jesus in his kindness, Jesus in his love, came with, with the purpose to redeem and to restore all things. And so the moment that people call out to Christ and the moment that people accept what Jesus has done for them on the cross, what we have worshipped and what we have celebrated, what we give thanks for already this morning. The reality is that it is much more than simply saying a prayer so that one day we can be with Jesus in heaven. Jesus is the one who redeems and restores all things. What happens is that it is a restoration of your position where you stand. So Jesus actually takes us from being part then of this kingdom of darkness and redeems and restores us and returns us to be part of this kingdom the kingdom of heaven. There's a fullness of life for you to experience once again. It is much, much more than simply saying a wee prayer so that one day you can get to heaven. Jesus restores you to be able to experience all of the kingdom of heaven present right now in your lives. This was the good news that we were looking into. And today what we're going to be looking at with the parable 
of is the parable of the net. This is the final parable of seven in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 13. We're going to read this together firstly, and these few verses. And then what I'm going to do is we're actually going to unpack this during the last 10 minutes this morning. There's a few other things we want to just share prior to this because all of the parables have almost led to this point that this parable brings us to. And so just two or three things we're going to unpack just beforehand, and then we'll uh, we'll try to t- um, take some teaching and truth out of these words. But let, let's read these together firstly. So Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is, is like um, a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates but threw the bad ones away. This is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. So, um, again, we'll, we'll come to this during the last 10 minutes, but Jesus, he, he's, he's, he's been passionate about people getting this. And the reality is, so as I was showing in that diagram, the moment that we've accepted Christ, we now, become, we now become people of the kingdom. And what Jesus was very, very clear, not just in his teachings, but how he, how he demonstrated it even in his own life, was that to be a people of the kingdom meant that we had to be a people that was about the mission of the kingdom. There was a purpose of the kingdom. There was a way of life for us to live into as people of the kingdom. And so what Jesus does and what Jesus did um, with this was that Jesus was very clear, and this is what we look at in the parables. Jesus demonstrated what the significance of what it was to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. While it's one thing to live it out, there's the significance of proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. We see it in the parables we've looked at the last number of weeks. We see it in other places in the gospel. But Jesus then is adamant and clear to his followers. He says that this is our responsibility as well. We read in Luke's gospel in chapter 9 when he sends out the 12. This is what it says. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and to heal. In Luke 10, the next chapter, as he sends out the 72, again, he sends them out with this message. He sent them to heal the sick and to tell them, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near you now. In Mark's gospel, I know that we usually read it in Matthew's gospel, the Great Commission, but in Mark's gospel, as he commissions and sends out the church and sends out his followers, he sends them out with this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Jesus was clear that for those who are part of the kingdom, part of the expectation is that we proclaim the kingdom to the world around us. And what do we want to do just in three ways? And we're going to use our parable during the final point of this this morning. Three ways we just want to look at what does it actually mean to proclaim the kingdom of heaven? How do we actually do that? What does it mean for us in the day-to-day rhythm and basis of our lives? Because if this is the significant thing that Jesus is calling us all to as followers, then we need to grasp the importance of this in our lives. And so to proclaim under three ways, the first thing, and really simply and very obviously, is that there has to be a declaration 
of the kingdom. The mission of the church is to make Jesus and his kingdom known. Similar to what we witnessed Jesus doing in these parables we've just read uh, and in many other parts of the gospels, we have to be willing to speak of God and his kingdom to other people. We have to be willing to do it. Reality, if, if we were to put it in simple terms, we are now Jesus' mouthpiece. We, we call ourselves the body of Christ, and the reality is these are his hands, these are his feet, this is his mouth. And so with the mouth of Christ, if we are his church, if we are those that are carrying on his mission, then we suddenly become the mouthpiece, the people that declare and proclaim the kingdom of God. I love this quote by Leslie Newbegin, and he says this, the deepest motive for mission is simply the desire to be with Jesus where he is, and the frontier between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. What happens is that we stand between, in our position as people of the kingdom of God and those who are not part of the kingdom, we stand in between them and we stand as the people who can tell them the good news of Christ. And this is in essence what we, the message that we have for people. Paul actually tells us it in Corinthians. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And this is the appeal that we make to people. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What we're saying at this moment is we are trying to tell people the truth that actually there was an original purpose upon their life. And the beautiful thing is that God wants to redeem and to reconcile them to what they were always originally intended to be about. This is the message that we demonstrate. The reality is, though, that the kingdom of heaven and simply Jesus is just unknown or even unheard of to so many people in the world, even in our own nation. And even to those who have heard, sometimes it just feels like they've been sold a bit of a lie or, or a deception. They've been misled on what it's all about. And so there should be a desire within us. There should be, and this is our prayer this morning, God, would you just foster this heart within us and stoke us and stir it up within us? There should be a desire within us to call people back to what God had always originally intended their life to be about. Be reconciled to God. This is the message. If you've never accepted Jesus this morning, this is simply the message. Be reconciled. Return to all that God ever intended for your life. Do you know what? As a people, I don't know about you, but sometimes as a people, it's, it's really easy, isn't it, to say that we love God? It's really easy to use that language, God, we love you. We, we've sang it this morning already. Maybe you would pray it in your prayers. And I know that it comes out of a genuine heart, but sometimes it's really easy to say, God, we love you. It's perhaps it's sometimes really easy to demonstrate that we love God in different ways, particularly moments like what we've just done this morning as well, as we worship Amber led us in a refrain this morning where we, in worship we sang the words, God, we love you. We thank you for the cross and we love you for the cross. It's, it's sometimes easy. And yet here's the truth. If we really truly love the Father, then we love the things that the Father loves. If we really truly love the Father, then we love the things that the Father's passionate about. And the Bible's really clear. God loves the whole world. The whole world. Not just the people that you like or the people that even in your mind that you haven't quite set aside. God loves the whole world. There's people in your life and people as we look out even in the world today that it just feels like they're just, sometimes they can be really hard to even like. <laughs> Never mind the word love, but God loves the world. And so the call upon us as the church and as the people of God, if we're going to proclaim, there has to be a declaration and a heart and a passion for the whole world. There has to be a heart for the lost. And so the question is this morning, what is our heart's desire for the lost? 
the heart and talent people is that while it can sometimes feel a bit awkward at times to talk about Jesus, the truth is the enemy wants to keep us silenced. The enemy more than anything wants to shut our mouths to the truth because this message that we speak is life and death. To actually be able to speak this to people is revealing to them the truth that they need to hear. This is the very thing that can save their souls. As we're going to look in the parable today is that there's a judgment that lies ahead at the very end of time that all of us will face and all of us will stand before God. But before that, people need to hear the truth. And so our hearts should be as the people of God. We have a message of good news and a message that needs to clear in love. And if we're a people that really love God, then this is something that we need to be about. Again, as I said, many of us love to demonstrate that love even in things like worship. John Piper says this, quote, mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. If we really love God and we sing this in worship, then we can't be people that say that we love to worship if we don't want to tell people about Jesus. If we really love this God that we worship and we sing about, then we want to be able to tell people about this God we love. We want to be able to share this God that we love with others because the heart and the reason behind it is that one day we want to invite people to be part of, to be restored to the relationship that they were always intended to be about. But the reality that one day, people who are part of God's kingdom will all one day gather around his throne to worship. And we want, this is God's heart, is for the whole world that they could be part of that. And so the question is this morning for us, how, how, how do we engage at sharing Jesus? How do we engage at sharing the King with people? I recognize for many people, and I even find this myself at times, you know, it, can, it can seem awkward, can't it? Sometimes to talk about God. Sometimes you don't want to almost like just drop it in the middle of it just seems like the most unlikely places. But yet there's moments and opportunities that present themselves that sometimes when we push through the awkwardness, do you know what? For many people in the room, perhaps why there's a bit of fear around it is because maybe you've never tried it. And the moment, the reason is that the moment you try it for the first time, actually you realize that there wasn't anything that really scary to do about it in the first place. And there's an ease that actually starts to come the more and more that we do this. And as, as we step into this, the reality is, is that what we're doing behind the awkwardness, behind it all, is we're actually presenting people with truth. We're presenting people with hope. And how we share this, how we share this declaration is simply this. We're not going to be the people that just stand to point out the wrongs. The message that we simply bring is this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. That's the message we bring as the church. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you and desires to be in relationship with you. God loves you. This is the message that we bring. Jesus said this to his disciples. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. As he sends us, this is the prayer and this is the thing we realize. As we are sent out, we are sent out firstly to proclaim in a declaration of words. But similar to what Jesus showed in, in those passages we read in Luke, as Jesus sends us out to proclaim, it's not just in words, but actually what happens in the proclamation of the kingdom, it's about the visibility of the kingdom as well. It's not just in words, but there's a visibility. Jesus, what, what he shows in this, Jesus makes it clear that there should be evidence and sign. And one of the things that he calls us to be about and we've prayed for it already this morning, is that as people of the, this kingdom, we would be a people that would bring healing and freedom to those that need it. 
Here, here's part of the truth. When we, think, when we think about those two kingdoms that are present, sickness is not part of God's kingdom. Hear me in this. Sickness is not part of the kingdom of heaven. It was never part of the original design of God for this world. One, one of the tactics of the enemy is to draw people away from God or to cause people to want to resist or to move away to God is through pain or suffering. But again, here's the truth, if we're speaking truth. Pain and suffering, again, was never part of God's original design for this world. And yet, what generally happens is when people go through pain and they go through sickness and they go through suffering, the first person that usually gets blamed is God. I don't know if you've ever heard people say this, hear it countless times, say, how can God be a God of love and do this to the world? People are asking it at the moment even about coronavirus. <laughs> how can God be a God of love? And yet the truth is pain and suffering and sickness was never part of God's design for this world. It is never part of God's kingdom. It is part of the other kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Let's call it what it is. And so each time we experience pain and suffering each time we experience sickness. At the moment, as we look around the world and we see what's happening with this coronavirus, it is evidence of another kingdom that is at work in the world. It's this kingdom that wants to kill and steal and to destroy. It's this kingdom. Actually, the Bible's really clear on it. Look what it says in Romans. When Adam sinned, because of sin, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. This is where it all came from. It stemmed from this moment. And so as the people, before we move on with this, at the moment, even with this, with everything that's going on with the coronavirus, we can either be a people, as Phil said that at the start, we can either be people that are really fearful of it, or we can be a people of faith at this moment. It doesn't mean that we downplay it, but yet what we need to do is, as a people of faith, we have a different message. And the first thing that we do is that we are a people that pray. Our prayer at the moment is, because if this is something that is evidence of another kingdom, of the kingdom of darkness, our prayer at the moment is, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, would you bring restoration? God, would you bring an end to this sickness? God, would you bring an end to this virus? Yes, we need to make steps and measures. And of course, that's why we want to be sensible about this. But yet reality is let faith arise. There's another kingdom that is at work. There's another kingdom that is greater, and it's God's kingdom. And the world needs to be aware of it. The world needs to hear it. And yet what happens is that for some people that are present around you, that are experiencing sickness, what God wants to do is God wants to bring healing to their lives. And part of how he wants to bring it is through you. Sometimes when you meet people who say that they're struggling at the moment because of a certain sickness, I don't know, but sometimes in your head you think, well, you have an option. Either you say nothing, you know, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Another option that you have is, oh, I'm really sorry, I'll pray for you. You say that to them, and then perhaps you never do. Perhaps you do, which is great. Or thirdly, we have another option, which is, as the people of God, we can say, listen, I'm a Christian. Do you mind if I pray for you? And at that moment, what we can do is we can pray and pray for the kingdom of God to move in their life, because sickness is not of God. And at that moment, we're inviting the kingdom of heaven to be released in significant ways. And as people, and this is the truth, as we live in the tension of the kingdom now and not yet, not everyone gets healed, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for healing. And as some people experience healing in their lives, what happens is that they get to experience the nearness 
of the kingdom of heaven to their lives. They get to experience the visible presence of the kingdom of heaven. They get to experience restoration in their own lives of the kingdom of heaven because this is what it's about. Kevin DeYoung says this, the church acts as a sort of embassy for the government of the king. It's an outpost of the kingdom of God surrounded by the kingdom of darkness. Just as an embassy is meant to showcase the life of a nation to the surrounding people, so the church is meant to manifest the life of the kingdom of God to the people around it. And so how, how, we, how we do that in the demonstration of the kingdom through healing, through deliverance, through miracles, it's significant that we have the faith to believe it. But the reality is alongside that is that it's not all just about those power manifestations. The visibility of the kingdom needs to actually be present in your everyday life. And the reality is, is that in your everyday life, this is, this is the beautiful truth. The kingdom of heaven comes near to others through you. Why Jesus declared the message of the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of the heaven is near, was because it was embodied in him. And so to the people he was speaking to, he was saying, the kingdom of heaven is near to you. You can experience it, he was saying, in, in, in my life. And yet, as the church the kingdom of heaven now comes near to others through our life. Each and every day, you're a carrier of the presence, and you get to carry the kingdom of heaven near to people and allow them to experience it. It happens in simple ways. One of the stories of this week, you might have seen it on social media, um, Patty. Patty, stand up so everyone can see you, will you? It's not the shame. There he is. This, this, this is James. Um, you can sit down now. Let me stand. This is James. Um, James. James was over in Nottingham during the week, and it was just one of those ones when you read it, and even some of the stories he shared with us off the back of it, you're like, God, this is kingdom come stuff right here. And the simplicity of it, James, as he was over in Nottingham, um, on this very first day of this course, he walked past a, a homeless guy who was called Craig. And, uh, and, and in this moment, he said he was rushing to get the bus, and this guy had kind of made a nod and a gesture to him to say hello, but Paddy was on a mission because he had to get the, his course. He's very de dedicated to his studies, which is great to see as well. And, uh, and so he got the bus and headed on. But as he was there, what started to happen was he felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit at this moment of, I've just walked past this guy and I haven't really said or done anything about it. It wasn't as if he was feeling guilt or shame but he's feeling the conviction and the nudging and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And what happened was he, he intentionally came back and found this guy. And this is the picture of what he had on social media. This guy was called Craig. He had been homeless over his life. And his story was for the last 18 months he had been homeless. Isn't that right? As well. And this guy who has been free of drugs and alcohol and addictions in his life over this last year, just trying to make something of his life. People just are judging to him because this is what culture and society do, all the names and things that they were calling it. You paddy in this moment through just building a relationship with him and getting to know him, starts to experience and understand that this guy who's trying to provide for a family that he has as well, and so picking up bits and pieces of jobs, but just cannot get a job at the moment because he's homeless, doesn't have a permanent address. And paddy, what he's able to do is make other people aware of it in that area and through different people at home, raise enough money to get him into sheltered accommodation for a good number of weeks so that he has an address so that he can get a job. And suddenly this guy, the story that Paddy sends is this guy's dancing in the street because <laughs> suddenly his life's turned around. This guy sent the message to church as well about it. He sent this message to Paddy. He said, hi, it's Craig here. I just want to say that thanks to you and your friends in Ireland and so you can pass this message on. After being homeless for 18 months, uh, this time around and the negatives, have come my way are unbelievable. This week I met James Patterson and he has delivered God into my life in a big way. 
I want to thank him and the people of Emmanuel Church for helping me to turn my life into positives. And I now know that the big fella upstairs is with me. Thank you, everyone, and I will keep you posted, and I will want to come over and thank everyone personally, which I will soon, so thanks from Craig Richardson. The, the reality is the kingdom of heaven comes near. In this moment, it's either, well, there's a homeless guy, isn't that sad, isn't, let's feel a wee bit of pity, or the kingdom of heaven comes near. As a carrier, like, I'm not, I'm not just trying to put Patty on a pedestal here, but the, he allowed the kingdom of heaven to come near, and it's very simple. I had another conversation with someone during the week who I met and was chatting with him for coffee, and just in, 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 a, in a completely different sort of setting and way, they were talking about a struggle. They were having him work with someone, one of their work colleagues who was just having a real go at them, and it almost was becoming this tit-for-tat thing that was happening between them. They were meeting the regional manager the next day to talk about it, and as we sat and talked, it just as we were praying, I just said to this person, I said, you know, Tomorrow when you go into that conversation, the kingdom of heaven gets to enter that conversation. The kingdom of heaven gets to be near to this conversation. And in this moment, actually in this, a different way lies to be seen. And so rather than being the tit for tat, which is probably likely to be experienced or people are thinking is going to happen that moment, you can actually, you can speak truth, but you can do it in love. You can allow the peace that you have to be demonstrated in that way. You can have faith as you go into it as well. And in this moment, you allow the kingdom of heaven to come near. It's a different way. It allows people to experience something different of the kingdom of heaven. And this is the reality for all of us in our lives. Let me flick past it. The reality is, whatever you do tomorrow, whoever you work with, whoever you engage with, they get to experience the kingdom of heaven near to them through your life. So let, let me ask you this. What does the demonstration of the kingdom look like for you? When you're alive in the Holy Spirit, going to work is much more than just going to work. Going to school or university is much more than simply going to school or university. When you're speaking with those parents outside of school as you pick up your kids, it's much more than speaking with other parents as you pick up your kids. When you're going for a coffee with someone, it's much more than going for a coffee. When you're going to get the bus to university, it's much more than getting a bus to go to university. They're all moments and opportunities for the kingdom of heaven to come near. Because you are a carrier of the kingdom. And God wants to release the nearness of it to it. God wants there to be a visible sign of an experience of the kingdom of heaven. This is the responsibility for each and every one of us. This is open to us all. Alan Hirsch says this before we go into our final point. We suggest that scripture provides us not with all the answers and a simple list of do's and don'ts but with a countercultural vision of radical discipleship, a godly wisdom, and an ethos that fundamentally reorients, reorients us to the world. So we proclaim the kingdom in the declaration, in the visibility, and then finally, just in the availability of the kingdom as well. How we make the kingdom available to all. So when we think about our parable, Let's go back to that, the parable we read earlier. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, and he firstly says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water. This, this net that he talks about actually in this, it's not just like a wee net that you would go to the rock pools with, a wee simple one. This, this was a dredge net or a sand fishing net, it was called. And what would have happened, this was weighted down, and as it was dragged, it would have caught everything in its wake, right, right down from the bottom of, of the sea, right? They were, they were wide enough that it would have caught everything 
as it was dragged along. This, this was the picture that Jesus was trying to say, and the availability, it was for absolutely everyone. As, they, as the kingdom came along, everything could get caught up in the kingdom. In fact, Jesus actually goes on to say this, that because of this net, it says it caught fish of every kind. It caught fish of, of all shapes and sizes. It's, it's been a beautiful thing, actually, since the start of the year. We've seen 37 people um, make a decision for Jesus beginning the journey with Christ. And the beautiful thing about it, just as I looked over the lists, which we've been trying to keep up to date with, is that this has been people of all ages, of all genders, different ethnicities. We've seen people from as young as four up to the age of 82 make a decision for Christ. And it's, it's like fish of all shapes and sizes that are being caught because the kingdom of heaven is available. There's an availability to absolutely everyone. The issue is, is that we can almost have a preconceived idea in our minds of whether someone would accept or would listen to what we have to say about God. And so in some cases, we just don't speak up. We almost think, oh, well, I know that person and they won't, they won't listen to it. And so we don't speak. Towards some people, there's already a judgment in our minds towards them. It can be because of someone's age, their gender, their current religious status, their sexual orientation. Sometimes because, and this, this becomes a difficult one as well, sometimes because we can't quite work out in our head how we would disciple that person if they got saved or where that person would fit in church or what it would look like because we know the dynamics of what's going on in them in their life and maybe with their family, like that's just going to be awkward. Like sometimes all these things, we're not saying we're making an intentional decision to not engage, but some of these things can be off-putting to us and so we just step back. And yet Jesus, what he's shown in these parables over the last number of weeks is simply this, through the parable of the sower, he said that the seed was just scattered. It was received in different ways, but yet the seed was scattered. It wasn't a decision of, well, we'll not scatter it there. It was scattered in the whole field. In this parable with the net, the net was available and was catching of all things. Jesus says that there is no distinction between who the kingdom of, of heaven is available to. So the thing that is really crucial that we we leave to God and to God alone is to judge. It is God who judges. In this parable, this is what we see. This is the verse we see in it. The angels will come. This is going to happen at the end of time. Jesus is making this very clear in terms of the distinction at the end of the age. As we, as we step into eternity, this is what will happen. The angels will come and will separate the wicked people from the righteous. Throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A judgment will happen. A judgment will face us all. But the thing that is significant about this is that the difference between good and bad in this wasn't something that stopped, someone, stopped the kingdom being available to the person in the first place. The thing about some, whether someone was wicked or righteous was the thing that was the final judgment at the end. Sometimes in our head, we've almost made the judgment for ourselves. And maybe there's some people in the room as well that you almost think like you're, you're, you're just too bad. <laughs> you couldn't live this life. Or perhaps you even feel yourself that you're already good enough. <laughs> the thing is, the kingdom of heaven's available to you whether you think you're good or bad. <laughs> and what you do with the kingdom and the result, and the, response, or the result of the kingdom in your life is a thing that is of utmost importance. You see, what happens is that in that moment as you accept Jesus and you have your sins forgiven is that we are redeemed, you're restored, you're dressed in his righteousness. It's that alone that means that you're considered good and of worth. It's that that allows you to, to enter into the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. 
In fact, Jesus actually says at the end of time, he's going to have to say this to some people, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And the reality is, what does it mean to be known by God? Jesus actually says this, by their fruits, you will know them. And so it's much more than simply just saying a little prayer, but it's about as we invite Jesus and we intentionally give ourselves to follow God and His kingdom, and we allow the kingdom of heaven to come alive in us, and we allow ourselves to engage fully in the kingdom of heaven, there's a fruit of the kingdom that starts to be produced in our lives, and it's by our fruit that we'll be known. And so the question is, what is the fruit that we hope to see firstly in our own lives and then in the lives of other people? That's why this year, as we believe for a thousand lives, we're not just praying for people to make, say, a thousand prayers and then that's it done. We're hoping that a thousand people will be saved. They would be baptized. They would be discipled. They would be transformed. That the fruit of the kingdom would come in their life. And this is the responsibility for all of us. Not just for the people that do discipleship in church. If you're investing in someone's life and you're able to lead someone to Christ, then take the responsibility to journey with them and to encourage them to see fruit start to grow in their life because this is where we see the transformation of the kingdom of heaven in our lives. The reality is, is that there, there are many people who, who feel like they've, they've heard this before. In fact, Jesus asks this really, really important question at the end of this. So off the back of all the parables, this is what he says. Do you understand all these things? Do you really understand? Do you really understand all these things, all that is available to you, all that he desires for your life? Do you really understand all these things? Again, there's some people who might be saying this morning, all that stuff you've said before, we've heard that and the danger is, I just would love to just say this morning, just as we finish, maybe Amber and the guys can come. We're going to just close in some worship in a second. The, the, the thing that I would just love to ask you this morning, because th this is what Jesus says in Matthew 13. So in this parable, just at the very end of it, then he says this, this line. Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. It's, it's, just like, it's just like this wee throwaway statement at the end of all the parables. <laughs> there's, there's this. So it says, then he added. So it's like when that's all done, then it says this, then he added. Every teacher of religious law. You see, what can sometimes happen is in our minds, you can think that, well, you've already got it all sorted in your mind. You know what God thinks and what God would desire in certain things. You've heard that before. That's what the Pharisees were all about. They had it all neatly boxed and packaged and they knew what, what God's view would be in certain things. And yet Jesus says this, for every teacher of religious law, for anybody who's ever engaged in the religion of Christianity, but when you become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, this is the invitation to all of us this morning. So while there's an invitation for some to receive Christ for the first time, the invitation for all of us is do you want to be a disciple in the kingdom of heaven? Do you want to be a disciple in the kingdom of heaven? Because when you're a disciple of the kingdom of heaven, this is what starts to happen. You bring out of your storeroom new gems of truth as well of old. You see, when all you have is what you've worked out previously, and that's all you're just basing everything on, all you can ever take out is just your old gems of truth. When you're a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, you're constantly pressing into the new. You're constantly journeying into the new. God is constantly revealing the new to you. And even this week, in the opportunities that lie before you, similarly, like 
I'm sure last weekend, Paddy wasn't thinking he was going to have the experience he had through the week, but there was a new possibility. And yet I would say to Paddy, Paddy, there's new opportunities for you this week. That was great, but there's new opportunities this week. And similar to all of us, there's new opportunities and there's new moments, there's new experiences. And the question as we finish is, do we want to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ? <laughs> do we want to follow him in such a way that we're saying, Jesus, we want to be your disciples. We want to be disciples of the kingdom of heaven. And so would you lead us into the fullness of what this is? And what I would love us to do, let's just close our eyes. The guys are going to lead us, start leading us in a second. We're all going to stand just in about 30 seconds. We just want to leave just one opportunity. We know we've been doing this most weeks. We're unapologetic about it. But if you've never made a decision for Jesus, I just need you to know the, the significance of this truth moment. That Jesus loves you. That Jesus loves you. God desires to be in relationship with you. And if you want to begin that relationship today, we would love to get praying with you. All eyes are closed. And if you've never experienced Jesus before we worship and pray at the end. I would just love if you could raise your hand in this moment so we could see you. We would love to get praying with you today. To begin on a journey that actually you could step into the fullness of all that God ever designed and purposed you to be. That's the invitation this morning. So if there's anyone who's never done that, just for a few more seconds, why don't you just raise your hand this morning? No one's watching. We'll not ask you to come to the front. We would just love to get praying with you today. God, as we finish, God, with this song of worship. Jesus, our response to that question, do we understand all those things? God, I just pray, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our heart. God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart. God, I pray that this week going forward, God, as we step into the freshness and the new things of the kingdom of heaven and what it brings to us in our lives, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would give us the boldness to be speakers of truth, that we would declare the kingdom of heaven, God, to those who have never heard it. God, that we would be those who would make it visible, God, in our lives. God, I pray for moments, God, for us to be able to pray and invite the kingdom of heaven to move in people's lives. But I just pray a visibility, God, of it in the different way. Jesus, I pray that the ways of your kingdom would be visible in our lives. And God, I just pray, Lord, that we would make it available to everyone. God, I thank you that your kingdom is far-reaching. And God, our response to it simply is this. God, we give our lives to follow you afresh. God, we give ourselves to follow you afresh. God, our hearts desires that we want to be disciples of the kingdom of heaven. We pray that you would lead us into the new things this week and lead us into the fullness of what you have for us. God, we just pray again, Lord, that God, where there's fear, God's starting to rise. God, even in our nation, God, because of the, this virus, God, we just pray, Lord, a release of faith and a release of your peace, God, at this moment as well. God, we pray and invite your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus, take the glory for it in all of our lives, we pray. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.